Excellent. So um, if you would like a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand, and the guys will get you a Bible. I would love, love, love for you to read the scriptures that we're going to look at today. Um, if you haven't been here, we are in James chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 14. And we have been kind of stepping through the book of James, and it's been a good time. Now, how many of you can be honest with me? No show of hands. You don't need to raise your hand. But there are people, or maybe just one person in particular, that for sure rub you the wrong way. Yeah, you didn't have to raise your hand, but I feel you right there. Now, maybe it's the way that, like, they, like, their personality conflicts with yours. Maybe it's the fact that they chew their ice. Are there any ice chewers in the room? Confession, yes. I chew ice, man. Let's go. And how many people hate when people chew ice? Okay, there you go. Those are the dentists in the room. Nice. Um, or maybe it's just their tone of voice, right? Is anybody, I mean, anybody that honest? Like, just the tone of that person's voice just drives me crazy. Well, these are the types of things that can happen to us, and um, this passage of James today that we're going to read is one of the most controversial passages that James writes. And James really rubbed Martin Luther the wrong way. Not Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther. You know, the German guy that, you know, kind of started the Reformation back in the day. And, uh, and here's the thing. He actually, Martin Luther, um, just a, kind of the Hall of Fame of all the, the men of faith in the past, there he is, good-looking guy, kind of, right? Um, kind of, I don't know what he, who he looks like, but, um, so that's him, and so he lived in this context, and, and he actually didn't think that James, the book of James, should be included in the canon of Scripture, shouldn't be included in our Bibles, and the reason is because this passage in particular talks about how really faith without works is dead. That faith without works just doesn't work. And so at that time, and, and to understand that, Martin Luther was living in a context. And we had a student uh, message just a few weeks ago that Jacob Tripp um, one of our student coaches gave, and he talked about how, to the students, how we need to read scripture within context to understand it. And, and actually, we also need to understand why Martin Luther would really not want this book to be in our Bibles, and the reason is because of the context that he lived in. You see, um, at that time, there was a guy by the name of Leo X, or Leo X, and he was the Pope, and he, he was just, there he is, um, I don't know, I don't know if I would have went with that outfit for the painting, but, you know, it looks like he's got his pajamas on. But this is the guy, and he began to sell the offices in the church to the highest bidder. So he, he was allowing people to purchase offices. And there was another guy by the name, uh, well, his, he was the Archbishop of Mainz, um, and he was from Germany. And this guy, um, we have a picture of him too. Again, not sure on the hat choice, but we're good. Um, this guy actually took out a loan. He took out a loan to purchase an office within the church. And at that time, the Pope allowed this guy to begin selling indulgences. And indulgences were um, what the, the church promised that there would be complete remission of sins for anyone alive or dead 
who would buy these indulgences and help through that to fund the building of, of St. Peter's Cathedral in Rome. So this is why churches hate capital campaigns, right? Because this is where it comes back to. Like he was saying, we're going to build a church, and if you give to this, not only are you going to help build the cathedral, but all of your sins are going to be washed away. And so Martin Luther lived in the context of the church being very corrupt and biblical truth being perverted. And he worked and he worked and he was understanding and discovering how scripture says that salvation is a free gift through faith in Jesus Christ, right? That's the mantra of Christianity. That's the mantra of believers that that really salvation is a free gift through faith. There wasn't any works related and yet James says faith without works is dead. You guys are still awake. Awesome. So with that, there's there's something that actually um, is worse than when somebody rubs you the wrong way, I think. I mean, because you can kind of get away from that person. But what about when something doesn't work right? Like when the Wi-Fi is down, is anybody like, awesome! Everyone freaks out, right? No Netflix! Wi-Fi breaks, or maybe um, the air conditioning breaks, or your car won't start, right? And so, man, it frustrates us to no end. And if you choose to listen for the next few minutes, maybe you don't know who I am, maybe you don't know what the topic was going to be today, but if you choose to listen, James is going to actually help us understand why there's times when our faith seems like it's not working. There's times in our life where, man, there were times, man, when I felt like my faith was on, man. I was just getting it done, all kinds of progress, and then today I feel like, nope. Or maybe there just hasn't ever been that. Maybe you never felt like you've ever really had faith in God. And James is going to unveil that to us. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive in. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, God, for this moment. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open our ears and open our eyes so that we could hear and see your word in a new way. And that, Lord, you would transform us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. James 2.14, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is what? Dead. Ratchet back up to right at the end of verse 14. It says, can such faith save them? Everybody say such faith. I really like the way that that, um, James says that because I think it it helps us get at what James is really all about. Is he saying the type of faith that doesn't get followed up with action, get it done, get after it type of working it out, if that isn't happening, it's dead. It's kind of like this faith that is all talk and no walk. If that is what you've got, that is flimsy and it doesn't work at all. This is the context. What he's saying is that how is your faith expressed? How is your faith expressed? This is exactly why we did the 5K yesterday. The 5K yesterday was a way for us to put action to our faith. We believe that slavery is wrong, that freedom should be for every single person. While you sit here, there are people in cages that are not allowed 
to go out and be free. And we don't, believe, we don't think that that is right, and we're going to do something about it. And what we got tired of doing is we got tired of talking about it. We got tired of thinking about it. We got tired of saying how bad it is. We got tired of saying, you know what, those people really need to be free. I hope they can get freedom. But we said we're going to do something about it. We got tired of writing checks and giving money and saying there's no connection with my faith and what that issue is. I need to do something. And in some small way, because this issue is so deep, so wide, and so complicated, what we were able to do is run for their lives yesterday. And we were able to put one foot in front of the other for 3.1 miles and make a difference in someone's life. And so we built awareness and we, we raised funds to help some people be free. Now, if we just say, hey, you know what? I'm sorry that you're cold, but you need to be warm. And I'm sorry that you're hungry, but man, be fed. And you walk away and don't feel that felt need. Don't address the felt need. Then James is saying that that type of faith is no good. It's dead. So it's not good enough for us to say, well, man, let's, let's just hope that they're going to be free someday. It's a way for us to work it out. Is that the only way you can work it out? Absolutely not. But is there going to be something new and something different that God shows us? I hope so. But this is what we were able to do yesterday. Are you guys on board? So the question, if you're willing to dive into this this week, if you're willing to play along with me for the next few minutes, is this, what, this question is, how is your faith being expressed? Write that, that question down. Wrestle with that question and say, what would I put as an answer to that question? Let's keep reading. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good, even the demons believe that, and they shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? James here, hit the pause button, James here, he quotes and kind of references a passage of scripture in Deuteronomy 6, and we use it in our baby dedications. It's 6.4, it says, it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is what? One. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And then in Matthew 22, Jesus adds something else. He adds, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so, James is referencing, he just referenced love your neighbor in the previous passage, and now he's referencing this passage from Deuteronomy, and he's saying, you think that God, that there's, a, there's one God, and you believe in Deuteronomy 6.4, which is from the Shema, and that's something that the Jews would pray every day, you believe that, and you say that, great, but it doesn't do you any good, because even the demons believe that. So where are you at? What do you have? What's going on? In this passage, what we see is that James is saying that there not only needs to be an expression of our faith, but there needs to be evidence of our faith. So what is the evidence of your faith? Like, what is it that you could point to in your life that says, guys, I have faith, let me show you. Well, this is interesting because we get into a slippery slope, right? One of the things that we'll say is, well, I'm, I went to church today. Went to the warehouse. Cool. Awesome. Check. Read my Bible. Awesome. I prayed. Great. Hey, I even, I, I spent a day and I fasted. Mm, awesome. I, I even, you know what I did? I actually spent a whole day in solitude. No media, no social media, no phones, no nothing. And I just, I just prayed, thought about my, my life and tried to figure it out. Awesome. And then it rolls into other stuff. Like, well, I wasn't as bad as the other person today. I didn't cut anybody off on the way here today. 
I'm not as bad as the, some of the people I see on the news. And you know what I need to do? I just need to be a better person. I need to be a good person. And we get into this mindset, worldview, that the way that we can please God and make it to heaven is by, by being a good person. That we are doing the right things. Because James says that we're supposed to do something. There needs to be evidence. And then you run into something that Paul says in Galatians 5, 6. It says this, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts. Everybody say the only thing that counts. Thank you for saying it as fast as me. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Hmm. Circumcision and uncircumcision doesn't matter. Your rituals don't matter. The fact that you put an alarm on on a Sunday morning when you could have slept in and you came to church, that's great. But it doesn't make you any more a believer in this room than if you stood in your garage and said that you were a car, right? That's the old joke. Just because you read your Bible, just because you go to church, just because you pray, just because you fast, it doesn't mean anything if there's no faith to back it up. If it's not the right motive, if it's not right here, guys, it doesn't matter. All of your rituals don't matter. The only thing that counts, Paul says, the only thing that counts is faith expressed through what? Love. So now we have to reevaluate the evidence in our life. Where is it? that you have shown love to someone when they didn't deserve it? Where is it that you have forgiven someone when they didn't deserve it? Where is it that you have found a way to love even when it stretched you out of the box? When somebody deserves a punch in the face, you buy them a new car. What? Like, that's a stretch, right? I'd feel like that's a stretch. This is the type of thing that we have to ask ourselves. So if you're willing to, to go there this week, what is the evidence of your faith? Let's keep going. Verse 21. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Verse 22. You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. Hmm. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So here he gives two examples of faith that he's talking about, the type of faith that he's talking about. One is Abraham, and he kind of references Genesis 15, where at a very old age, Abraham is told by God, I am going to make you into a great nation. You got no kids, but I'm going to make you into a great nation with all of your offspring. And Abraham believes God. And it says that it's accredited to him as righteousness. And then he's referencing Genesis 22, where he, Abraham, takes his son Isaac, the one after having a child with Hagar. God says, that's not my best, that's not my plan. He has Isaac with his wife Sarah at an old, old age. And the one 
person, the son that was supposed to bring all of the prophecy, all of this promise to fruition, is now he's being asked to kill him. And Abraham follows through to the point where he's bringing the knife up and God stops him and says, I have provided a ram in the thicket. And so we see that what James is saying is that the faith that Abraham had in Genesis 15, that God promised him that he would have offspring, as many as the stars, that he heard that and he believed it, but his faith was made complete by what he did in Genesis 22. Are you guys with that? Somehow, someway, our faith and our actions come together to complete our faith. There is something about it, guys. I've said this before. Your faith will never feel more alive than when you put action to it. Abraham was justified by the type of faith evidenced by what he did. So here's the problem. Romans 4, 1 through 5. This is Paul, classic, like, octagon UFC match. You know, you've got James and Paul. Throw them in there and see who wins because they both are seemingly saying different things. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by what he did or works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift. No, no, no. That's an obligation. I pay when you work. However, to the one who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Paul is setting up what seems to be a very different worldview, that it is not, has nothing to do with your works. Your salvation only has to do with your faith in Christ. Salvation is a free gift of God to all who believe in Jesus Christ. So what do we do? Here's how we need to understand this. Remember, James is talking about the type of faith that saves. Paul is talking about, maybe this is helpful, Paul is talking about the priority of faith. There has to be faith in order for there to be works that count. Works without faith are dead, just as faith without works are dead. He's saying the priority has got to be that there's faith in Christ. Are you guys with me? That the priority is faith in Christ. What James is talking about is the proof of faith. He's saying if you have that type of faith, that it will be evidenced by something in your life that's different, that people say, man, why did you do that? That makes no sense. You guys getting it? Then he throws down um, Rahab, right? He throws down Rahab, and he talks about how Rahab was, was counted as righteous because of what she did, and he's referencing Joshua 2, 9 through 11. And he says this, I know that the, which says, I know that the Lord has, this is Rahab, by the way, this is Rahab talking to the spies, and he, she's saying this, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. 
When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. That is Rahab's confession of faith right there. As messed up as her life was, as dead as her faith may have been, at that moment she came alive. And she confessed that. But it wasn't just a confession. There was something that happened after that. She hid the spies. She released them. She got, uh, was able to save them. Then they saved her, which was very risky, to trust that there was going to be a complete demolition of, their, of her city and that she would be spared somehow, some way. But she chose to do it. And what happened to Rahab? Oh, you know, she just is in the lineage of Jesus. Look it up. It's crazy to think about. So Rahab and Abraham somehow, everybody say translated. They translated their faith into an action. And that's what we have to do. We can't allow our faith, James would say, to be lost in translation. You can't allow yourself to say, oh, I've got all the faith in the world, bless God. And then your life is not, there's no evidence of any faith because there's nothing that's happening. There's not anything action-oriented in your, in your life. So um, the way that I would phrase this third question, first one was, what is your, how are you expressing your faith? What is the evidence that you're, of, of your faith? The third one would be, is your faith a good example? Like James is writing, he's like, hmm, I get this point. Who should I point out? Oh, I'll throw down Abraham and Rahab. If he was writing that book right now, would he, would he write in, you know what? Um, yeah, you know what? I'm going to write down Weston. You know, Weston, when you did that thing because of your faith, that's what I'm talking about. Or maybe it's Aaron. Maybe it's Aaron saying, you know what, Aaron, that's it. You know, when Aaron did that, that was based on his faith. That's, that, that made his faith complete. That's what I'm talking about. Would he write about you? Would he use you as an example? Is your faith a good example to the others around you? Are you guys getting it? I kind of feel like you don't. Um, and so let's keep going, right? Not too much longer, but let's, have, let's, let's just keep going. Josh. So... <clears throat> Let's not forget, this is kind of a weird thing. Like, James just likes to talk about death a lot, you know? Like, he's talking about how sin brings around death, and now this is faith, faith that works is dead, and there's a lot of, like, death, you know? It's like, why, James, you know? Like, lighten up, dude. And I want you to remember something from chapter 1. That we talked about, James broke down for us how temptation works. Like, we should never be fooled. Like temptation happens because there's a temptation out there that syncs up with a desire in our heart. And when that sync up happens, that's when we have a decision. Our imagination continues to go. We choose to conceive, and that conception brings about sin, and sin conceives and brings about death. So there's a process to death. I don't think we even think about that. You know, in America, um, we don't really talk about the process of dying. But I honestly feel as though the process of dying is so, so important for us when it comes to what James is saying. Because here's how I think. Now, death comes quickly to some, right? But by and large, like for instance, we're all in the process of dying right now. That's a happy thought. Like, gee, 
I'll go back to the warehouse next week for something like that. But there's a process to it. And I think we forget that. You know, I think about that some of us have walked in today. You know, you didn't really know what the topic was. You didn't really know, like, I don't know what songs they got, but man, I hope it's good today. And man, I don't know, what's for lunch? And all of a sudden now I'm talking about the process of death. And so to help us understand, I feel like, you know, like the first thing that happens is you start to get paralyzed. Can I just, can you, can you just play along for a second? Where you kind of just are paralyzed and, and you can barely move. And I've got to use anything I can get my hands on. Now there's a cord. Good thing my arms are working. So we'll just put that there. And I'm losing the ability to move. I'm losing the ability to use maybe my legs, maybe my arms, maybe my cognitive abilities. I won't knock the candles over, hopefully. And I'm paralyzed. And some of us have walked in, not literally, but we've walked in from a faith standpoint with a paralyzed faith. And we walk in and we look fine. But man, our minds are way away from here. And it, it's hard sometimes when we're paralyzed with our faith to really trust God in our situations. And so we just do what we can. And we, we just move and we kind of forget about God. It might be hard to like hear a pastor talk about offering because I don't want to give when I'm paralyzed. I mean, I got to save all of my energy. But there's another stage that happens when you're dying is actually the point at which you really, truly sense that you are dying. And a lot of times when you're dying, you end up in a chair like this. And when you're in a chair like this, um, you've uh, lost the ability to move. And for a time, maybe, you're strong enough to, to go ahead and give you yourself some motion. But there comes a time when Somebody has to push you because the paralysis is going too far. So Mike's going to give me a little push here. And so now you can't push yourself anymore in your faith. So you need someone else to push you. And you need someone else from the outside to push you. And those, there's times when that's okay if you revive and come back and allow Jesus to bring life to you. But there's also a time when if the paralysis continues and the dying continues, where this is what happens, guys. I hate to say it but you lose your appetite when you're dying. And what ends up happening is that people, someone else has to feed you. Someone, we can go down here. No, maybe not, maybe around. Um, how are you guys doing back here? Is it good? Awesome. You actually can't feed yourself, so you need someone to feed you. What that looks like in a church setting is the fact that you may not give a dime, you may not volunteer anywhere, you may not do anything, but all you want to do is consume things. You want to be fed by someone else. So, hey, what do you have for me? Do you have a Bible study for people my age? Do you have, do you have anything for my kids? Well, you know, how nice, where's the playland in the kids' area? And all those types of things. And you are dying inside. Why? You're just wanting people to feed you. I need to go over here, but I can't get there, man. But there, thank you, awesome, you saw that coming, very cool. But then there's a thing that happens when some of us have walked in in a wheelchair, and some of us, thank you Mike, let's hear it for Mike. Some of us have walked in, and it's not about being paralyzed, 
It's not about um, being in the process of dying. It's the fact that we are already dead. And this, my friends, is the Apostle Paul. <clears throat> Compliments of Menadmoni Road just outside of Amazon. All right? That, if you, anybody that doesn't believe that it's a real dead possum, feel free to come up and smell it. But some of us, some of us have walked in like this. Our faith is completely dead. Now, let's unpack this for a second real quick. I want you to, in your mind's eye, imagine me um, at the beginning of the week just saying, okay, God, I'm talking about, you know, faith without works is dead. Everybody is going to agree. Everyone's going to say, faith without works is dead. Dead. And imagine I say, okay, I mean, if there's a roadkill, you know, God, I'll, I'll grab it. I mean, I'm all about the illustration. If it causes a change in hearts, I'll, I'll get that thing. And so um, we might have to edit this out, Beth. But DCFS comes in. Uh, they, they're, they're reviewing the, the, new, the space on that side for the child care center, right? And they're in here. And on the way here, Sarah and I, I see the possum. I'm like, and it wasn't like, you, I, 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 wanted, I didn't want something I couldn't identify like, I didn't want to be like, is that a rabbit or is that a horse? Like, it's really been strewn across the whole street there. Like, I don't know. I need to be able to identify it. I didn't want it to be obliterated. And so I think this was a headshot, and he was like, oh, and he's out, you know? Because there wasn't a lot of blood. He wasn't mangled. He wasn't. But I am, and so I go home. So Sarah's here with, with DCFS. This is so great. So then I go home. I get a shovel get the power box, put a bag in it, drive over, stop in the median, put it in park, jump out the, the, the shovel, and I'm like, let's go. And it just won't, it, it won't, the shovel won't go under because there's a little bit of rigor mortis that was in there. And so like, yeah, so he's moving, he's moving a little bit. And, and so I'm like, there's cars passing by, I'm like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, hey. Pastor at second place, yeah. Um, and so I couldn't get the shovel under it, so I'm like, forget it. And I just grabbed the tail, and I'm like, let's go. And I throw it in the back of the van. That's not that bad. No big deal. And so why do that? Because we read Scripture, and we don't think about what it says. Like, here's, here we go. Let's just get this town. Okay. So, yeah, see, you're leaning away. Like, do you want to take it with, Ross? Do you, have it, do you have it in you? No? Okay. But think about, guys, everybody take a deep breath. Think about your reaction right now. Why is it that dead things repulse us? If this is an illustration of your faith, what is the, re the, the repulsive feeling inside you right now? The fact that you don't want any part of that? Like, you want me to not have that on stage right now? You want it as far away from you as possible? What does that represent? If that's your faith and it's repulsive, and maybe that's what 
people see. That's when they say, you know what, you hypocrite. You say you go to church, you go and you love God and then you do this, you're a hypocrite. I can see your faith and it's dead and you're claiming to know God. You're, the demons even know that and they shudder at the reality that God is real. Guys, the reality is that our reaction to this, I believe, is the way that James would be repulsed by a faith that has no works. A, the type of faith that has no action to it. Is that fair? Can I get rid of it or do we need to keep going? I love the thud. So a question that you guys can ask yourself. Do you want that there? It's going to be hard to worship God, right? We could probably cook him, you know. Um, there you go. Hey, thanks, Mike. Um, if you want, my best spot for him might be in the freezer. When you, when you think about this, here's the questions that I want you to ask yourself. <laughs> How do you smell? Yeah. Number one, is your faith paralyzed? Are you in that process of being paralyzed or you're losing functions? You just don't feel it. You're not, you don't have it. Maybe you're, you're feeling like you're dying. You've got people pushing you. You've got people feeding you and you're just a consumer of things. Or are, is your faith literally dead? Is it dead? And it needs to, to meet Jesus, the one who resurrects things from the dead. If you're paralyzed, Jesus is your healer. If you're in the process of dying, Jesus is your savior. And if you are dead in your faith, the one thing that is true and doesn't change, no matter how scrambled the eggs are of your life, you can't unscramble them, but what you can do is realize that the common denominator, whether you're paralyzed, dying, or dead, is that God's love for you does not change. He loves you, and he wants to revive you and take you into the next chapter, alive and kicking and making, taking some spiritual ground. If you don't feel that, man, we're going to pray and worship, and we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit reveals that to you and changes you from the inside out and says, you know what? It is not over yet for you. Do you guys feel that? It is not over for us, guys. It doesn't matter how much you've screwed up. It doesn't matter how dead your faith is. God is in the business of raising things from the dead and breathing new life into those things. <laughs> he is in that business of bringing new dead things back to life. And we are going to, every last Sunday, now this is the first Sunday, I get it, but the last Sunday of the month, we always want to remember what Jesus thought about on the cross, what he believed about God, what he maybe was hoping to get done someday for God. No, what we do with communion is we remember what he did. We remember what he did. And without that action, we're not here today. And so the last Saturday of the month fell yesterday, and so we've got five Sundays this, this month, and so we're going to take communion today. And the way that that works at second place, if you're not used to this, is there's communion in the back, in the middle, on this side, and over here, just a few steps from your chair. And any time during the next three songs, you can get up with, by yourself, with your friends, with your family, and take the cup and the bread and remember what Jesus did for you and I, that he opened up a door to life that we can walk through.
And so over the next few songs, um, my prayer is that if you feel like you need to get up, go over here, over here in the back, there's plenty of room, that you can do that because there is freedom in here, not fear. And there's worship in here, not, not worry. And so let's stand and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, God, for my friends. And Lord God, I thank you for James and the scripture that we tackled today. Lord, help us to tackle and wrestle with what James says and Paul says and, and how it is expressed in our life and what the evidence is of our life. And, and Lord, whether or not we're an example to be looked at, but Lord, I pray in the next few minutes right now, God, that we would evaluate, are we paralyzed? Are we dying? And are we dead? Lord, help us to come alive in the next few minutes and make these words be true that we sing. Lord, as we observe communion and remember, Jesus, what you did, Lord, help us to realize that there is hope for us and our story is not over yet because of you. In Jesus' name. Faith without works is dead. Think a little bit less about the task that you're checking off on your list and more about what your faith in Jesus looks like. So when you sing a song like this, you make the darkness tremble, you silence fear. So when that faith gets put into action, what happens? You're no longer making decisions that are fear-based. You're no longer looking at um, how are people going to perceive this. You're no longer saying, God, are you pleased with me? You're saying, Jesus, because of you, not so that. Okay. I'm not, my faith is not so that Jesus is pleased with me. My faith is because of what Jesus has done. And so now my steps, my actions follow that. So when I walk in obedience, when I say, prepare my path, tell me where I'm supposed to go, my faith leads me. Not me coming up with ideas of things that I need to do, making my schedule busier, coming up with the checklist, but I'm operating in faith that says, okay, God, what are we doing today? How am I being in you today? And how am I going to walk that out? How do my works now show who you are? So I leave today different because I'm going to walk in faith and my works are going to resemble the things that Jesus did. So I think each of our tasks might look a little different. So some of you might um, see a homeless person and say, okay, I need, to, I need to get them food because that's my faith in action. Um, it might be someone says, there are orphans that need a home. They need to know that a forever family loves them. And I, I'm going to put my faith into action and I'm going to walk that out. Um, some of you, it may be that I'm going to silence that fear that tells me that I can't go through and I can't do this. And that's going to be my faith in action. And I'm going to put that to work in my life when I walk out of here. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you that you are at work in us. That these are not tasks that you're calling us to. These are not things that we need to do to gain your approval. 
But Father, when our faith goes into action, you are made bigger. You are brought to light. People can't help but wonder what's different about us, not because of the things that we do, but because of our faith in you. We don't want to do anything so that. We want to do it because of. Jesus, you paid such a price for us on that cross. And you give us freedom. You give us life. And so we want to walk in that this week. We want our works to be a reflection of the faith that we have in you. And so we give you this week and we ask that you be glorified, that you be made big, that you create opportunities for us to walk this faith out. And it's in Jesus' mighty and precious name that we pray. Amen.